Hello, my name is Richard Bolas and welcome to the Dad Mindset Show, where I explore the messiness of parenthood. Each episode, I tease out tips, approaches and insights from parents and experts with the goal of becoming less bad at being a dad. This episode, I talk with Glenn Davidson, who explains how he was brought up. Oh, and we all learnt to drive in the front of trucks. How it takes a village to raise a child. The guys that worked for Dad were just good blokes. You know, they were fun. And there was one guy that was in Vietnam and pretty disturbed, but, you know, a really good bloke to be around. Like, you know, he's clearly struggling. To how his upbringing has had a knock-on effect to the way he parents today. Clearly, Dad's left an impression on the way that I relate to my children. Glenn has been a huge role model to both Sarah and myself, and I hope that you take away some small inspiration from a master educator and father of four. Okay, so uh, this uh, episode we have Glenn Davidson with us. Great to see you, Glenn. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, good, good, good. Thank you. No, no, it's uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Glenn. Been mean to uh, chat to you about for some time now because you've been a quite a quite a role model in the dadness of uh, <laughs> looking after kids. Because um, hey, can you give the guys a bit of a, a, a heads up on how many kids you've got? Ah, uh, sure. I've got a whole cricket team. So uh, I have uh, three girls. Um, the eldest one is twenty six. The youngest one is sixteen. I've got one in the middle, and uh, a son who's twenty two. Yes. Four, apparently. So uh, <laughs> I just number them now. I just call them one, two, three, four. It's so much easier remembering, remembering their names. <laughs> and, and you always called Nat Boy anyway, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, that's a family tradition. So, um, so my uncle called my dad Boy, my dad called my younger brother Boy, and now I call my son Boy. So, and I've got an uncle Boy. I can, goodness, I couldn't tell you what his real name was, but his uncle Boy and Auntie Bub. That's a Scottish thing. That you call the youngest in the family boy and bub. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you say Scotland. I mean, what's the history there? Oh, both sides of my family, all from from the Inverness okay. area, um, the the Chatton Confederation, basically. So, um, of McGilvray and Davidson blood, and both those were Jacobites. So, you know, from, come from that tradition, um, all around the sort of up, you know, near Aberdeen and and uh, Inverness and 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 Dingwall is the where the, the Castle Tullock is, which is the uh, the family home. Yeah. So yeah. when did your family actually come over to Australia? So um, the McGilvrays, which are dad's side of the family, came over sort of eighteen eighty five. That sort of you know sort of mid oh, wow. mid then. Yeah. And um, and mum's side of the family were the Simpsons and Frasers. They came around just after the First World War. So uh, grandma's uh, elder brothers were sent out first, and then they uh, saved up enough money and and called for the girls to come across and. Yeah, they they all came across in the nineteen twenties. Why? Yeah, huh. yeah. So. And um, so, have you been back to your sort of roots in? Inverness? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, um, yeah, I was very lucky that um, I only had one sort of one um, sort of remaining relative living in 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 northern England who took me up through Scotland for three or four months, and we visited all the you know places of family history. And, uh, and in fact, the family, you know, like mum and my brothers are talking about going to the McGilvray um, reunion in, uh, in um, or just outside of Edinburgh, uh, next year. Oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to go. So, uh, yeah. What, what, were the, what was the highlight when you actually went back? Oh, look, I think, you know, grandma, grandma never lost her Scottish accent. She came out here, I think, when she was about 23, 24. And uh, she never lost a Scottish accent, and everything was always, you know, home was always the other side of the world, you know. So, 
So I'm um, going to see where she grew up in her street in, in Kokoldi, which is the other side of the Firth of Forth from Edinburgh. Um, yeah, I think just standing at the front of the, her house going, you know, this is all the stories I've heard ever since I was young. And, you know, and I, I grew, up, grew up with, you know, the, the well, mum's uncles uh, doing, you know, Highland dancing and all that sort of stuff. And so, playing the bagpipes. Playing the bagpipes and lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's all a bit outrageous, really, when I, I think back at it now. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, indeed. And um, and Dad's side too, the McGilfrays and Davidsons and, you know, from, from Mount Hope up in central Victoria there. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time up there when we were kids. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Oh, brilliant. And is it something you think your kids are quite keen to um, copy as well? Yeah, they're very proud. My nephews have got the, the Davidson um, crest tattooed on their arms. And so, so they're really into it, and yeah, I, know, I know the girls in particular are. And Mika, um, Mika would change her name to McGilvray tomorrow because she loves the name. Um, but it, it's interesting that you know, I think I think they're sort of faintly interested, but it doesn't sort of mean a lot to them, lot because they haven't sort of grown up in the tradition, like you know, much like I did. Yeah, I was very close to my grandmother, so um, I sort of you know had had a lot of that input. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you spend a lot of time with your grandmother? Yeah, heaps. Yes. So, um, so I used to. Um, my grandma was a painter, and so I used to traipse out into the Dandenong Ranges, you know, easel under arm and lots of stuff, and just sit and watch her paint, and and um, and uh, we spent a lot of time together. And then, then um, when um, she moved in, like mum and dad built a sort of granny flat out the back of our house, and so she moved in to live with us for many years. So yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of time. Very, very fond. Mm. Yeah, They're probably, but probably the biggest influence in my life, I suspect. Right. Looking back on it. Yeah. So my pa died fairly early. My my other grandfather had died before I was born. He died when Dad was twelve. Um, and my grandmother, oh, and um, my great grandfather died sort of you know a week before I was born. So it's sort of been a very and Mum's a very strong matriarchal role model. So I've always had those strong matriarchal, but um. You know, but I did a lot of stuff with my dad, you know, so, um, yeah, and so, um, yeah, but I think gra- my grandmother's been my greatest influence, C- certainly in the music and art side of it, for sure, Yeah, without question, yeah. But, uh, you, I mean, when you touch on the music, what's your sort of background there? So, did she inspire you to get into the your, your musical training? Well, well, every every time my extended family got together, there was always music, fiddle playing and dancing, and you know the whole whole McCoy. And Mum started us on piano lessons really early, and you just walk up the hill to go to piano, like you know, like about three streets up. Um, but when you're little, it seems like a long way. Um, and started us on piano. Mum used to play violin; she doesn't play anymore. But um, so, you know, and um, and my grandmother was very encouraging about all that sort of stuff. And and I'm pretty sure our piano was probably supplied by Grandma and Grandpa. Somewhere right. where along the lines, because um, Dad was in the piano game too, so we, you know, I always had pianos and stuff around. Um, and funnily enough, uh, what I wanted to play was double bass and learn to play swing bass. That was because you know, I because Dad had the most amazing record collection, as did my grandmother. And so, um, and so we grew up with a lot of records and a lot of you know a lot of jazz. Um, and um, and I wanted to be a swing bass player. And so I rock up on, you know, first day of high school to try out for the music, um, you know, lessons. And so I was pretty small, like I was pretty short. Uh, and um, and um, 
so I took the I took bass lessons for about three weeks, but I couldn't carry it home. I I, I had sorry, I used to have to oh, walk no. to school. Um, I was you probably, need a trolley, or probably something. about five kilometres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and mum and dad, you know, couldn't come and get it, so I couldn't take the bass home. But the other thing too, my fingers were too small, couldn't get them together. And, and um, dad had come across his clarinet somewhere. I don't know, somewhere in his you know piano doing days. So um, um, yeah. He, said you know do you want to try this out so I started taking clarinet lessons and that's why I ended up playing clarinet and went to saxophone and, have you still yeah. got that clarinet yes I do my original clarinet yeah too right yeah yeah I was going to make a, a table lamp into, out of it because <laughs> it doesn't blow too well anymore <laughs> right, yeah good. yeah yeah and I had another one I found and we painted it yellow I used to busk with my yellow clarinet but it's, it's totally wrecked now because so, <laughs> you, you busked around Europe at one stage didn't you or something oh I, I busked in Europe yeah. but I actually saved a lot of my money from busking in Melbourne to go to Europe because um, we basically put ourselves through third and fourth year university playing in the street because I'd moved out of my home by then. Yeah. And so to get across the summer break, um, we used to bust down in Melbourne, in Burke Street. And so, and then from there, we actually started to get professional gigs. So it was actually through that playing money that actually saved up to go to Europe. Yeah. 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 And you made it on TV, of course. I made it on TV too, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Now on YouTube. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And so um, when you talk, you touch on your dad being in the piano game, what mm. did that look like? Because you spent a lot of time driving around with him, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So dad dad um, um, used to deliver pianos, basically. He was just a really high specialist. You know, I, I guess if you sort of, a bit hard to sort of think about it, but it's like Tetris with pianos. He could fit a piano into anything. <laughs> And, uh, Do you think that's where your three three dimensional spatial, spatial sort of, bit. Um, I, mind comes from? Honestly, I think packing packing the car and to pack stuff has always come from that that process. And so um, I um, I used to he, he, they had the contract with the MSO. So we used to do a lot of the pianos MSO? MSO. Oh, sorry, Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Gotcha. And so they'd take their, their pianos from their main rehearsal room and, you know, into a lot of the venues. So I was always in a lot of those sort of venues and stuff too. And so a lot of time was spent in the front of the truck with Dad. And when I was big enough, I was lifting pianos. And and then it was just like um, he, um, he had a mate called Ronnie. And Ronnie, like, only had about he had two teeth, but oh, he was the funniest guy in the world. And so there'd be Ronnie sitting on the passenger side, me in the middle and Dad driving, and we just had the best fun. Because most of the time you'd be on the road. And, uh, and yeah, and then uh, so I, when I was younger, I used to run the trolleys and the blankets and the straps and lots of stuff around. I learned to tie knots and lots of stuff pretty young. Anyway, as I got older and bigger, then I got into lifting and, you know, lots of stuff. So when I was 18, I was riding jockey with Dad alone, <laughs> you know, uh, delivering pianos for the MSA. <laughs> and uh, what were your favourite venues? Because you were, must have gone to pretty much everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've, I've played solo piano in the concert hall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no audience except me, Dad. But, but, um, um, but, you know. but he loved it. <laughs> but he loved it, the, yeah. the, the audience was <laughs> yeah. in, in yeah. rapturous applause. <laughs> So I've done everything from the concert hall to the Bensdale pub, basically. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's been a bit funny. Oh, brilliant. So, and, the, and the other thing he used to do is that used to, you know, we'd deliver them to private people's houses. He'd, you know, he'd wheel the piano in and he'd say, Glenn, play them a tune. So I'd have to play a tune before we'd leave. <laughs> Just to prove that it was in tune. It worked, yeah. And yeah. so what, what tune would you bang out? Oh, oh, oh depends. Um, so... Uh, as if I had a few couple a couple of jazz numbers I used to sort of just kick out that I sort of basically taught myself, but uh, 
Oh, gee, I don't know now. I can't remember. Did you get... So so people people were quite appreciative, like, oh, geez, this guy's yeah. got game. Oh, well, it was a bit like that. It was all about rolling arpeggios. But I learned that lesson really early in life, because that's what I used to do. It was all about what, sorry? I'm a, a rolling arpeggios, so you're like, um, you know, um, right up and down the keyboard. Yeah. So it sort of looked, looked more impressive than it probably sounded more impressive and looked more impressive than it actually was. Well, it demonstrated all the keys works, I guess. Well, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned that lesson in life. Be really confident with your first three sentences. Like, I did this in Indonesian for years. You know, blurt out your most confident Indonesian. Everyone goes, oh, shit, this guy can te- speak Indonesian. I won't say anything now. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. Because yeah, that's right. How long did you spend in Indonesia? So, um, so that was a um, – so, so in my undergrad degree, I, I actually majored in my undergrad in ethnomusicology. And so um, uh, my main instrument was in Indonesian music. Um, clarinet was actually my second. And, and the sort of reason for that was there's a lot of good clarinet players around. I just thought I'd go and do something different. I was pretty bored at university in my head. And so, um, and so I'd first gone to Indonesia then, and that sort of sparked off a whole lot of trips back and – and uh, when I when I went off to teaching, I set up these cultural arts tours to Indonesia, and um, and so I spent a lot of time in Indonesia, um, you know, showing people around and you know facilitating kids learning how to do you know, learn dancing and Indonesian music and theatre and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where it all sort of started. So um, yeah, and you know Peter, and it was Peter that. I sort of said to him one night, I, I, I want to teach a VCE unit in Indonesia and short course, you know, get it over and done with in two weeks in country. And then, you know, a couple of weeks after, he thought it was a great idea and basically allowed me to do, play with that within yeah. the school setting. And uh, yeah. so VCE, just yep. for... Oh, sorry, Victorian Certificate of Education. Yep. Uh, uh, year 11 unit, so the unit one and unit two in dance, drama and music, but set in the Indonesian context. And you went over and actually did your in-country course. Oh, study the over students there. must have loved it. That, we had a ball, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and yeah. Peter at the time was the headmaster. Yeah, yeah, principal of school. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, pretty fun. And um, just going back to your dad, though, because yeah. he obviously um, was in the piano moving business. Yeah. But um, any stories from that sort of uh, the, that time on the road? Oh, there were heaps. Like, you know, that, they were back in the days when you can, you know, you, you could sit in the back of the truck and. You know, we'd we'd sit in the back of the truck and the blankets and just fall asleep, or you know, hang out the back doors, or and that sort of stuff. But the great thing about having a dad that had like trucks and bits and pieces, like we were taught to drive like really big trucks really early on and forklifts. I mean, you know, my brother and I used just to muck around on the forklift at the depot. You know, like ma- ma- I think about it's madness now. Like you the, know, best uh, the, the best playground, the best playground, yeah, yeah, the best toys. Yeah. But the other thing that was available, yeah, kid, kids have like little tractors to play with. <laughs> you had the real thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But the other thing that, that made it brilliant, like Dad always had a truck or a van, so we'd go camping or, you know, and um, well, when I was about 14, I built my own boat and um, yeah, we used to wheel it up the ramp on the piano trolley up into the back of the truck and we'd go up to the lake and we'd wheel it out again, you know, and stuff like that. So Dad was, like, you know, my dad wasn't an attentive dad, but he was always around when you sort of needed him, right? you know, like, um, so we'd, we'd go away camping and dad would sleep in the van and we'd sleep under tarps or, you know, or bunk out in the back of the van or stuff like that, you know, so um, we're often going up because uh, a lot of my family were all, still all into agriculture in those days because you're always on a cousin's farm or someone's farm or stuff like that, you know, in, in, in dad's van. So like, it wasn't so much the piano business apart from having that exposure to like the MSO rehearsals and, and the big venues and lots of stuff. And you know, and I remember, you know, some of the country trips where, you know, that 
dad and the and the tech boys for the MSO would take on the locals on playing pool, and they'd play really badly to start with to give the locals a bad, you know, false sense of security, and then just wipe them off the table, you know, just stuff like that, you know. But but um, but it was this this ability to sort of you know we'd go away a lot. You know, and uh, like was, we didn't have a lot of money as a family, and so camping was the thing that we could do. And you know, we, we spent ages on rivers and forests and, and cousins' farms. We're always at some, you know, like my, my closest, well, my closest cousin uh, had a dairy farm. We spent so much time here, learned how to weld, learned how to ride a bike, learned how to, you know, learned to drive on a tractor, you know, oh, and we all learned to drive in the front of trucks. What, you know. what sort of age would you have driven? Oh, to drive eight, in? nine. <laughs> <laughs> and his age. <laughs> but, but, but honestly, yeah, like I was driving a tractor at 12. Like, you know, if you're a farm kid, that sort of, you know, everyone goes, yeah, so what? But when you're a city kid, you know, yeah. and, uh, yeah, yeah, driving, driving Vern's ute and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We need more of that. We absolutely need more of that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so what have you taken from that? Because obviously camping is still a big part of your life now. Mm. I mean, where are we right now? Camping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, um, like, you know, the other thing too is dad, sort of, you know, introduced me to scouts and he was a scout leader and stuff for a little while and so scouting was fairly big and he facilitated a lot of that, you know, the, the logistics of driving us back and forth to stuff um, in that sort of respect too. Um, but, you know, it's things like, you know, I learned all my knots uh, from that and, and also the other, I know we've spoken about it before, the other thing is my dad's best man built sailboats. So we're always going down Uncle Bill's, um, and he'd build a boat for a season. We go out and sail. Like so, you know, I, I, that's my love of sailing came from that sort of connection of, of Dad's sort of friendship group as well. Um, but Dad's, Dad's, the guys that worked for Dad were just good blokes. You know, they were fun, and there was one guy that was in Vietnam and pretty disturbed, but you know, a really good bloke to be around. Like you know, he's clearly struggling. Um, but they were all just they were funny, you know. Um, um, and anyone, my dad would, would and mum's the same, dad would do anyone, anything for anyone, you know, he, he'd drive halfway across the state to help someone out, you know, and so, um, so all that sort of stuff, you know, we, we, we grew up with this notion of helping people, you know, learn all my knots, um, all my building skills, funnily enough, I don't know how that, how that came about, like, it, it's just something I know how to do, you know, there's some mystery things in your skill set, you go, um, but dad showed me a whole lot of little chicks in there, like, you know, Bashing your nails flat in hardwood so they they bash through rather than spike through. Uh, rubbing them in your hair to get the yeah, oil out of your hair on, yeah. You know, so there's a whole range of little things like that. What, what's the uh, one about the oil from your hair? Oh, uh, if you if you're trying to nail into hardwood, um, yeah. rubbing the nail through your hair because the grease in your hair actually gives it a lubricant. Ah, so it just eases through the eases through the timber a bit easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So heaps, heaps of stuff like that, and you know, I was talking with my brother about it um, on the way down here actually. Um, the way we used to hack when the mower didn't work, you know, all that stuff you learned from Dad, you hack. know, and yeah, yeah, like um, you know, um, cut, cutting a notch out of the flywheel and 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 making a you get a bit of rope and making a handle with a bit of timber oh, and gotcha. winding around and yeah, pulling yeah. and all that sort of stuff and and um, you know, I had you know I had to change bark plugs and all that sort of stuff, of course, but but um, you know, I, I remember out in the paddock somewhere with with I can't remember if it was on the tractor or in the ute, but fixing taking the fuel filter out. And just inserting a biro case in the in between two so we can get back to the shed order. I don't know where it was. Just simple things like that, you know. That, you know, because he 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 grew up on the farm as well. And, and you, so, so you think you learned a lot of that from 
his environment that he created for you guys? I think I learned how to hack. It's not right. not necessarily the, the actual hacks, yeah. but that notion about thinking all the time about, you know, well, what can I do different here? But honestly... MacGyver style. <laughs> yeah, 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 honestly. But his Tetris skills were phenomenal. Yeah, just phenomenal. <laughs> I, I never really quite understood how he could do it. But So there would yeah. be a pile of musical instruments and everyone would go, how many tracks you got? Just the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nigga. yeah, we're good, didn't yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned earlier that it was the great crowd of guys around your dad and that worked for your dad that really created a fertile environment for you as, to grow up in and, mm. and almost become a man, I guess. But mm. I remember you quoting to me, you know, it takes a village to raise a boy. Mm. And is that the same sort of mentality, do you think? Well, it's probably where I got it from. But, you know, you know, it's it's really... Like, I really struggle now with understanding how the male role model stuff works and so um you know you know me too and lots of stuff has really reshaped a lot of how i think now about how men exist in the world as well as obviously how you know th- i've got three daughters and a wife you know that that that's it's really trying to work out now about you know how does the village raise the boy, right? And it, it needs, you know, women and men involved in that. I just happen to be very blessed in the fact that I had a really, really good blokes, you know. My uncles like Uncle Charlie, that you know, Grandma's brother and stuff like that. You know, they were just, they do anything for anyone, just really lovely people. My cousin Kenneth in, in, in England is, you know, um, you know, drove me around in an MG in Scotland for three for, for three months, you know. Um, you know, and would do anything for you. Um, you know, Ronnie and those guys were just good blokes and, you know, they were funny and, you know, and, and probably what you'd say as a young man, you'd be going, oh, you know, that sort of camaraderie that, you know, uh, that I see with Nat doing now, you know, with, with, with his mates. Um, and then his cousin Vern, you know, he taught me how to weld. He taught me how to drive the tractor, you know, and he's, he's just a lovely bloke. So I think I've been really lucky being surrounded by lovely blokes. You know what I mean? And, um, and the one thing that I guess I always, um, you know, like you know, I've, I've, I've said I think probably even today that you know that that Mark Twain quote, you know, that I I had that sort of bit, you know, when Wait, I was younger. Oh, oh, sorry, in that um, you know um, when I was seventeen, I couldn't I couldn't believe how ignorant my dad was, and by the time I turned twenty one, I couldn't believe how much he'd learned in such a short time. <laughs> and so, um, you know, and I think I was a little bit like that in the sort of sense that I went through that couple of years where I thought, you know, but the one thing I always understood about my dad is everyone respected him. Like he had a lot of respect from anyone he worked with and stuff like that, you know, and and I've, that's one of the things that I've really tried to emulate over over many years is is whole respect for other people, and um, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, dad dad was the sort of guy who wouldn't drive past someone that had broken down on the side of the road, you know, that sort of stuff, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, and in, in his latter years too. Um, you know, he 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 spent every minute of his day helping other people because that's what made him tick. You know, so um, and you know he had a lot of really you know people just really you know it was amazing at his funeral. You know the amount of people that turned out and and stuff like that. And so um, yeah, and you know and 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 there's, there is that sort of notion about you know teaching boys to be men. 
Um, and not that I even think he ever had a conscious moment about that, but there was a lot of stuff in his behaviour. And uh, like Dad never raised a, bat, a, a, a hard word, harsh word, at a, in, oh, certainly not at me, in a whole entire life. I've never heard him say anything harsh to our brothers either, to my brothers as well. So like he just it was just that gentle guide beside, you know. Um, Mum's a different story, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's, so he, it's not... he never raised his voice to you. No, not ever. No, How did he actually like? What was the the dynamic then? You well, just did what he said because uh, we always did what Mum said, right? Uh, but there, there was never any, there was never any, any reason for us not to do what Dad said. You know what I mean? Like mm. it just just wasn't that way. Um, I don't know. You, you'll see it in Mika. Mika's very much like that. You know, Dad, can you do this? Yeah, sure. Did. You know, there's never there's never any any. Um, you know, all my kids are like that. They'll do it. They'll just do stuff they're asked. I, I don't know what it is, whether it's just you know. Uh, but yeah, Dad never raised a voice to us. You know, I'd like to. I'd like to be able to say the same for me and that, but I can't. Hmm. You know, so uh, yeah, yeah, it's strange. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to be able to say the same thing. <laughs> and as you can attest, over the last couple of days, it's been a little trying. Well, parenting is trying. Yeah, mm. one of the hardest jobs yeah. in the world, I reckon. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you mentioned earlier about your building skills as well, and I wanted to sort of ask you about your house because I still haven't seen a photo of it. But tell us about your house because you built a house with your, your bare hands, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, so, what age were you at the time? Uh, what twenty-seven or so? Uh, I think I think we had tests when we were twenty. When I was twenty-eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty-seven. Um, yeah, fairly simple, but post and boom. Um, I worked alongside carpenters, like, you know, I, I got a carpenter and do the hard carpentry work. Um, but I did all the, the finish off and, the, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I did a lot of study and all that. You know, I went along to work, weekend workshops and all that sort of stuff and, and, you know, read a lot of books and, and stuff like that. But I don't know, it's just been a skill. Like, I can't, I can't cut a piece of timber square with a panel saw, but I can build big things. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not the best at finishing off. That um, you know, you go up to Warby Caravan Park and the the sheds, the the roofs that are built over the vans and stuff. I built most of those, and I just I'd never understood how I I can so I, I can put it all together in my head. Too is the other thing, but yeah, the mud big house three dimensional thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right down to every nail and bolt. So I and and um, and so in the when I put the mud brick house together, it was this pretty pretty straightforward house. It was very easy. Like I could see all you know before we started and stuff like that and. You know, the finish off and a lot of the, I did all the rendering and stuff as well. And, you know, a lot of that was just asking people and, you know, going to courses. And, you know, I did a mud brick rendering course and a straw bar course and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so, you know, um, and you learn a bit by trial and error as well. So, Out of the two styles, mud brick, straw bale, what would be your favourite? Mud brick. Yeah, having lived in the house. Yeah, it's a good feel. Oh, it's just something magic about it, I think. Um, I do like straw bale mine. I w- worked in a straw bale office for, what, 10 yeah. years? <laughs> yeah, so, um, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just something in it. And I think it's about working with your hands too, I think. Uh, so either one's good. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, where did you – tell us about where you worked in a straw bale office. So I worked for Ceres, the Centre for Educational Research, no, edu- Environmental Research and Educational Strategy, and in Brunswick. Um, used to be fairly famous. Um, <laughs> not just so much sure anymore. Uh, and I worked um, in the sustainable school section with that uh, for 
for about 10 years, yeah. nine, nine years. Yeah. Well, we, you were one of the main architects, weren't you, of the Sustainable Schools program? Yeah, Eric Bottomley and Pat Armstrong were the two architects in, in real terms. I did a lot of the fill-in work to sort of make it fit in PD teacher land. And so... Um, there's PD... Uh, sorry, professional development, yeah. and um, which is what I was taken on to do um, by Eric in my famous uh, job interview in the line for coffee at the, at the, at the cafe. <laughs> How did that work? Tell us about it. Um, uh, so this was just after um, the Bali bombings, about yeah. three months after. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. For I suppose, the, yeah, sorry, sorry to fill in just before... We get onto that. So, what yeah. we did that there was a carryover in Bali, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Started a business there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I took my school idea and, and turned it into a commercial venture, and um, and we were taking school groups and and you know teachers and and, and groups over quite regularly. Uh, same again, cultural cultural education. Just living the dream. Living the dream. <laughs> and spending summer over here and then summer over there. That's a real. Real McCoy, yeah, and so uh, yeah, 40, 40 second trip to Bali, <laughs> um, and um, and we'd had uh, four school groups or three school groups in in Bali in September, uh, and a whole lot range of forward bookings for the year after, and then October came and the Bali big Bali bombings came and blew our business up in a weekend. So um, uh, I shouldn't use that term, sorry, uh, wrecked our business in a weekend, and. Um, but, you know, none of my people were hurt, none of my guides or anything were hurt. You know, I've got a lot to be thankful about that. All I lost was forward bookings and, you know, a, you know, a really good lifestyle. Um, yes, yeah, so I was working at Sirius as a consultant in between times of going to to um, um, Indonesia on the um, in the cultural program there in Indonesian. So I was actually helping the Indonesian teachers and did a lot of the... the the, you know, I built the rice paddy and a few other bits and pieces in there to get that going and wrote a lot of the programming for that. Um, and it was um, while I was fixing up the Indonesian village over the summer holiday ready for the next year that Eric said to me, what are you doing? And I said, well, not a lot since, you know, since the Bali bombings. We got talking about that. This is in the, you know, as the queue's progressing, guys <laughs> on the counter. This is Tuesday. He said to me, what are you doing Thursday? And so I said, oh, not a lot. What do you want? He said, oh, come, come in. Um, I've got something to show you. So I thought I was going in for a job interview on Thursday. Apparently, I was going in starting my first day at work on sustainable schools. <laughs> so that was a bit of a laugh. So, uh, yeah, the job interview and the coffee key. I just come and start on Thursday. Yeah, where's the panel? Got, got the job <laughs> in about go. two and a half metres. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it wasn't even my shop, my coffee. <laughs> So um, yeah, so uh, started, oh, I love sustainable schools. It was great. So yeah, so um, so the the checklist for accreditation, you know, I wrote all of those and and um, a lot of the original P, you know, professional development plans and, and trained all the teachers and trained a lot of teachers, yeah. trained a lot of the original staff, which went on to be way better than as environmental education educators than me. And that was you know that's been such a a joy to sort of see you know like. You know, you know Kirsty and all those guys going on to do them. They came with with such great skills, and they left with even better skills. You know, and so yeah, yeah. So that, that was a big big part of my life. And that's where I met you in that process too. That's right. Yeah. I was just going to say. I mean, I sat in on some of those workshops and participated, and, and I was blown away with how you worked the group in the best possible way, and just inspired the guys. And it was just a pleasure to watch because. You would explain something and you'd see light bulbs going on all around the room and people going, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you mean to say I can teach this in class 
and still get it through the curriculum. And you're like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you just do this, 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 and this, and it falls into this category, this category, and this category. And they were like, oh my gosh. <laughs> People were walking out of there. You know, you could just see that they were revved up and, and ready to roll. Well, well, it's funny because, like, you know, um, it's sort of like a no shit Sherlock moment for me. And I'm like, which, which bit haven't you worked out this for yourself? You know, like, but I made a career out of doing that in Indonesian as well, like, you know, in load support. That, you know, these are things you guys could have thought through yourself. They just, um, teachers are so busy and their, their world's yeah. just so thick with stuff. They haven't got time to actually exercise the more creative part of their their education, about being an educator. And so. And so that was where I could lie because I wasn't layered over with all the other stuff that we were like school politics and managing classroom behaviour and reporting and doing this and doing that. I could just be, you know, I I could do the the rock star stuff really. Um, But, you know, we talk about building skill sets that you don't know where they came from. I don't know where my educator skill sets came from, you know, that, you know, natural talents. Um, I, th- I think if, if I had one, that would have to be it. Well, and so. you definitely have a natural affinity for people. <laughs> don't you? I mean, working with people, for people, and, and entertaining and, and presenting to people, all that sort of stuff is definitely a, a strong suit of yours. In the learning context, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. No, that's it's funny. You know, you know that you can't see that forest for the trees when you're on the inside. So, you know, a lot of that I, I can't quite get a head around i can understand it conceptually well and, i sorry just to interrupt i was just thinking because what you said about the the taking the curriculum and and, and pulling it into a, a position where people could do the things they wanted to do because it's fun and engaging for the kids but that was kind of like deconstructing the the curriculum how what was your approach to that like what was what was it that you saw that the teachers didn't I, I think I could make the connections quickly. Th- th- they weren't incapable of doing it. That's right. But the right then and there. like, So that ability to go, oh, this goes with that and that goes with this and this goes, and why don't you do this? But I think I think there's a there was a creativity in there as well. Like, you know, I, I could creatively think around, you know, ways. Uh, uh, so, so, you know, stupidly what I should have... Like, we're not talking about much about fatherhood here, but, but stupidly <laughs> what, what I should have done when I was actually teaching is I should have written down my ideas about project-based learning because I was a project-based learning teacher. And in the big, in the early 90s, that was an unheard of thing. It was also a pretty taboo thing, you know. So all my kids went through project-based learning, um, which is why we ended up in Indonesia. It's just a different style project. And so... Um, and so um, I should have written a book and done the series on it because I'd be a millionaire now, you know, talking around project-based learning. But it's that notion about getting kids out, doing stuff with their hands, and uh, that, that, that has really, was really at the centre of what I wanted to be as a teacher. And the reason I left teaching is the school institution couldn't allow me to do that to the level that I really wanted to do it. Um, particularly at BCE, yeah, totally. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, but but you know what I mean, like so that 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 was a very that was a very, I, I think that's where the core of it comes because I can always see well, well why can't we do this? You know why can't we make um, uh, edge, edges of a garden with 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 stacked paper and mud? You know and why can't we do um, numeracy by getting the grade twos to use Tonka trucks to take the mulch pile from the front of the school to the back of the school? Why can't we? You know, and um, 
you know, all those sort of, you know, and, and the leadership process, I think, in there, the stuff I did for, for Paul Dullard in Catholic Ed uh, around leadership, you know, and eco-leaders, um, you know, that, that, that really wanted need to get young people to actually learn about governance and, 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 and leadership in a true sense, rather than managing, which is what most people in leadership in schools are. They're managers, they're yeah. not leaders. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a different mindset and different and training. And some of the kids in those schools were amazing. Oh, phenomenal. Right? When, we, when we visited mm. and then come up and greet us and mm. escort us around the school yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> Who are your parents and your teachers? <laughs> I want to know. But the great thing is I was never surprised. You know, I really hate where media does this to young people now, you know. What do you mean they're protesting in the street, you know? How can they have this, you know, it must be someone set them up. Like, they're intelligent creatures, you know. I've often used the word creatures. They're, inte- they're highly intelligent. You give them the opportunity to say what's going through their head, they're blown away, you know. Yeah. Totally, yeah. Ask me a question about parenting. <laughs> <laughs> so glad. <laughs> how, how would you describe the way you parent? Haphazardly, <laughs> um, you know. You know, I'm I'm probably the world's worst parent. You know, I don't parent by design at all, and so um, a, a little bit of it's you know gut feel. A little bit of it's you know. Um, I don't I don't know honestly, Rich. I've, I've got no answer really. At the end of the day, like I don't have a model. I don't parent like my father did, for instance. I don't parent like my mother did. Though every now and again, I f- I find things coming out of my mind or mouth that oh yeah that's what mother used to say you know um um i don't know clearly clearly dad's left an impression on the way that i relate to my children um i have a close bond with my children but i don't i'm not close to my children and so um you know interestingly enough um i've always had the position i'm your parent i'm not your friend and i've been very clear about that and, and still to this day, like, you know, even my adult children find that a little hard in some respect. Um, but um, I, 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 don't, I don't have a method. I'm not following anyone. I'm not, you know. And, uh, you know, I know you and I have chatted over the last couple of days that parenting young kids is very different to parenting teenagers, very different to parenting adults as well. And so, so I'm very close to my children, uh, as I am to my brothers, but we're not... We're, we're not close friends by you know our bond is close but we, we don't spend a lot of time in each other's pockets either mm. you know and um and that's particularly why i spent quite a bit of time with mika down here um it's all about conversation at this age now yeah. you know it's about having a yarn a bit of a combo um you know and over a coffee or walk down the beach or something like that's really driving important. the car driving the car is a perfect place to do it yeah yeah that, that was a tip i got off, building. off the Fathering boys or whatever is it? The, the Steve Biddle. Steve Biddle, yeah, yep. yeah, that no, works really well. Yeah, the one-to-one mm. time. Mm. Yeah, mm. I actually find that that is a big part of my modus operandi at the moment because, yeah. like, dealing with the three kids all in a one there's always one or two of them that are feeling left out. Yeah. Whereas if you can just get that one-to-one time, yeah, oh, they just they love it. Yeah, it's huge. And, and and I remember my time as a kid, mm. just loving one-to-one time with mm. the parent. Well, I guess I had that in the front of a truck, you know, and that, you know, now that you sort of look at it that way. 
But, you know, I guess the other thing too is, you know, I had a whole range of things I really wanted my kids to experience while they were young, partly because I didn't um, until later on. But what, what like? Oh, um, Kakadu, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wanted everyone of my kids to swim on the Great Barrier Reef. I wanted these life-changing mo- moments early on. Um, you know, we've gone down a different path sending our kids to private school. Um, all that goes out the window. You know, um, so there's a whole range of things I haven't done with it. You know, I've got a lot of regret about things I haven't been able to provide for my kids. Um, but we've we've exchanged that for going to a private school, um, which is which is I think paid some benefits. Um, you know, there's a lot of values being held at at Billanook that are also bringing up my kids. Hmm. You know, yeah. and we have to. I have to remember that, and um, so I have to be around to facilitate that. And, you know, well, the example yeah. that you mentioned the other day when Mika actually, you know, squared up to one of her classmates and said, "Look, well, actually, in your words, what did she?" <laughs> so, um, so uh, this uh, well, last year, <laughs> two days into this year, uh, last year, two thousand and and eighteen, we had to take uh, Mika out of school for a year because we couldn't afford the fees. And so she went to the local high school, learned some very quick lessons about, you know, about the difference in the schooling opportunity she was getting. So her her current friends at, her, her, uh, at Billanook, which she's gone back to now, that are mouthing off saying, I hate school and, you know, I couldn't be bothered, I'm not handing this in. She just <laughs> bores them out saying, do you realise what the opportunity you're given here and don't screw it up, don't mess it up and don't give it up. So she's really quite hard and direct with them now. So, uh, yeah, but she's back into Billanook for next year, which is a good thing. So, yeah, that's been the sole, sole focus of my fatherhood parenting for 2018 was getting yeah. her back to school. No, you've done well. Mm. Yeah, it's great to see. And she, you know, is obviously flourishing for it. Mm. You know, yeah. it's, it's obvious just by, mm. you know, chatting with her. And, I mean, what are your favourite activities with your kids? Like, as we're, we're camping right now... Mm. Um, and this has been like Wilson's prom, which is the location where we are, has been a, a sort of a stalwart yep. of your family trips, hasn't it? Yep. Yep. Uh, what other sort of activities have, have you worked on as a family? Well, well, the particular activity here is, is really important. So it, it's the highlight of the year as far as I'm concerned about, you know, the parenting calendar. Um, and whilst, you know, no, you know, I really personally love the swim in Norman Bay, but that's also about swimming with my kids in Norman Bay. I, I don't know what it is, can't explain it, but it's really important. If we did nothing else while we are here at the prom, the walk, the coffee, you know, the walk down the beach, the coffee and the swim, uh, uh, you know, is, is a real highlight of the year. Um, we've always tried to be, you know, really big about their birthdays, funnily enough, you know, that, that actually means something, you know, um... Um, I love just having like I love having coffee with my kids. You know, one of the really great thing, like I have, you know, obviously with the with with Tess and Inia in particular, I have a coffee with them, and but Yarn's really good. Um, but one of the things that um, you know with Mika is that um, you know the road trip and just playing music. So you know, we played music on the way back in today, and just uh, the music she's choosing to see, you know, what I like and stuff like that. You know, it's really interesting. And so uh, music's been a big, a choice of, of music. Um, and that's particularly big for Lib and 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 Mo as well. Um, so what sort of music have, uh, did you guys put together for this uh, mixed trip? Mi- mixtape for mixed, this, no, no, we did, for this trip? Yeah, yeah. So we listened to a band called um, Lawrence on the Way Down, um, 
which we we heard, overheard at Mika's birthday at, at um, Groove Train or somewhere like that, having hamburgers. You know, oh, that's interesting music. So they got Shazam or whatever it was out, and they found out it was this particular band. And so, that, yeah, we got a bit mental on that. Um, but um, we plugged in Ray Charles, I don't know, about Lean Gather, and uh, just did the whole Ray Charles, you know, um, um, radio f- uh, off on Spotify. Yeah. And so um, I really try and broaden her. You know, when I'm by myself, you know, I listen to, yeah, um, you know, Coleman Hawkins and stuff like this, which I know she wouldn't get into. So I can sort of get her to Ray Charles, you know, but she, she was playing Tom Jones coming up the mountain here before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, that's bloody marvellous. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good. So I don't know. It's um, you know, quiet cups of tea on the veranda. You know, we don't, we don't. Um, you know, we we we. we yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question, really. So yeah. So I mean, what's what would you say has been a uh, like a? Do you have a ritual at home as well? As a family, oh. no, no. We is don't. it pretty loose and and flowing? Well, well Mika is different. I, I sort of you know guess him in respect. So, Mika and I have the occasional watch really trashy reality television together. Um, but you know we don't we don't have meals at the dinner table, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it is sort of going out for a coffee or sitting having a cup of tea on the on the veranda uh, for for the three girls in particular. Um, you know, Nat, Nat and I, because we've been working together lately, you know, we spend a lot of time just conversing about stuff, you know, we throw ideas and stuff around. The thing, the thing, Nat and Mika in particular are piss funny. So, like, they're, like, their humour is so sharp. And, um, and when Mika gets on a roll, but Nat's the same, you know, he's, he's just amazing in that way. And so, a lot of time, you know, you're sort of waiting for them to say something that's quite funny and then it sort of plays out a little bit. Um, and that's often just when we're sitting around, you know, having fish and chips or, you know, sitting around having a coffee or a bit of cake or something. Um, and, um, but we don't, we don't have any rituals or so. But with that in particular, one of the rituals we've had lately is going up and getting our, our spicy pork roll in Ferntree Gully, you know, and just sitting out <laughs> in the grass making a mess everywhere. And, yeah. And, and talking about, you know, it's six bucks, you know, you can't get a meal like this. You know? And so, um, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, we, we, we our kids are very open. They'll talk about their friends and what's going on with them, you know, and lots of stuff. So, you know, we're often talking about that sort of stuff. Have you found that you, you, your house has been quite a, a hub for their friends to come to as well? Um, well, we've always been very open to, to friends. Um, but our house is so small, like, you know, they have, there's always kids on the couch somewhere, might I add, but, you know, they haven't got time. They can, there's nowhere in our house where kids, even the, the adults, can be out the way of, of anyone else in the house. <laughs> yeah. So you're always engaged you're in the conversation. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. in the you know, and, and we stay, say, Sienna, who's with Mika now, she's our adopted daughter, and then there's Adam, who's our adopted son, who's Nat's best mate. And, um, you know, and, and Adam... He's a bit of a rogue, and while he doesn't care what his own mum and dad think about, he really cares about what Lib thinks, and so you know, he, and he calls her mum. And so when he lost his license last time, he wouldn't tell Lib. When he was sorry, he wouldn't. When he lost his license last time, he wouldn't tell Lib because he knew he was going to get a roasting. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, you know, so um, you know, it's interesting, but you know, Mika's boyfriend's fairly quiet around us. Um, 
I did say to Tess's boyfriend about the second week I met him, if you ever hurt my daughter, I'll kill you. And uh, as a joke. <laughs> and he didn't sort of speak to me for about three months. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But, you know, we don't see a lot of Tess and India at the end of the day. Um, yeah, they've got pretty stacked lives themselves already. And, yeah. Yeah. What are, the, what are their ages again? What are we? 26, 20... 26, 23, 22, 16. Gotcha. Right? Cool. 22, 22, 16. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tess is 26 and Moo's 16 and it's in between there somewhere. Yep. <laughs> and, and the other two drive. That's me one on sport. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, looking back, what would you give yourself any advice when you were sort of, you know, you know, just coming into this, like you're just about to have your first child. What, what advice would you give yourself, if if at all? Yeah, that's a that's probably a question not for this podcast. But um, um, or maybe before Mika, because that was your fourth child at that stage. Yeah, yeah. You, you've been through, you know, three three children. Then, like, yeah. what things did you learn by the time you got to number four? Yeah, well, well, well Mika is our only planned child, mm-hmm. so, so um, I think that notion about consciously going to have a baby this time has made quite a bit of difference in the relationship, you know, I have, I have with me. But of course, she's the youngest too, which sort of you know, in that sort of. Um, you know, look, it's it's it's. I think I'd probably say just be way more relaxed. I just just be a bit more chilled about stuff. Um, yeah, um, I think I think um, I, you know, you know, you know. Funnily enough, it's not so much about the kids. It's probably more about me. Like if I if I knew at twenty seven or when I'm, you know, having tests. That life would have taken the steps that I would have gone. Okay, I'm going to get a career. I'm going to get a career and actually plan my. You know, we would we, if <laughs> gone from, you know, one sort of adventure to another, hmm. and um, and I don't think that bodes well on your kids. Yeah. Like, and I look. I don't. How am I ever going to know? You know, I can't. I can't replay this. You know. Um, you know, I said to to. Move only a couple of days ago, I said, "Look, you know, we can always go to Bali, but you can't have your school experience again, you know." And, and this is one of those things where you can't go back and just change it, you know. Um, I've still got heaps of years to be a parent left, so you know, and I'm probably going to be a way better parent to adult kids than I would have been to kids of your age, you know. Libs, Libs, the 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 one that's really good at kids of your age hmm. you know i'm not too bad at teenagers uh Liz's probably better i suspect but i think i'm going to be the best dad to adult children yeah yeah i think i think that's where i'll come into my own and um you know they run things past me which is really cool which they, they would never have done before you know so yeah yeah cool. whether i have an influence or not who, who knows well, what, what do you think surprised you the most about being a dad um, Whether that's how, how quick, you've how developed quickly it goes. Yeah. <laughs> how quickly it goes. Yeah. I, I don't know. Sorry, were you going to qualify that question? No, it just is whether it's whether you've surprised yourself or whether this, like the kids have surprised you or just been a dad in general. 
You know, I think I think the things that's probably surprised me the most is that, you know, I haven't had any moments where I hadn't, haven't thought, oh, you know, this is crazy, you know, or this is, you know, it's, just, it's always been, oh, this is what it is, you know, I'm a dad and, you know, just get on with it sort of thing. And, um, you know, I've, I've got two years left in my dad plan. Your dad plan? Yeah. Well, you know, once they're all adults, they're all adults. Yeah. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to go and have my life that I wanted when I was 26. Hmm. You know, at the ripe old age of 56. Yeah. That, that's the way it's going to go. And I'm not going to sacrifice my life for 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 you kids now, um, because it has been compromise and sacrifice since I've been 26. And so um, now it's my turn. Uh, I'll still be. A father and all that sort of stuff. The but, MG's coming out of the shed. Well, absolutely. <laughs> Get the MG fixed. That, that's absolutely right. That's exactly what it's about. And so, um, and so, um, I, I think, um, I think the you know, there hasn't been anything. I think the surprise for me is that you know that I've gone okay. Well, if I'm fifty six, I'm fifty six. You know, I wanted to do it when I was twenty nine, but that, that hasn't been the way it's happened. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Okay? Hey. So, um, how how do you think your kids would actually describe you to their friends? <laughs> I don't know. Actually. <laughs> That's a pretty good question. <laughs> um, when they're in a good mood. Yeah, when they're in a good mood. See, my kids don't get grumpy with me. Well, that I know of. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Good point. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know. I remember, I remember when that used to. Yeah, the funniest thing is, that, yeah, you ask your kids, you know, what do you say to your friends that you don't do as a job, and uh, they've never got any idea. <laughs> but, but Nat, when like, he, I don't know what you do. But... <laughs> Nat had two classics when he was a bit younger. One was that you know, Grandpa collects old cars and Dad collects trailers. I thought that's a really interesting <laughs> perception because well, I did have four trailers at time. And, and so <laughs> one with a boat on it, and. Um, but the other thing is that he once said, oh, oh, Dad's environmental or something. <laughs> He's environmental. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's really interesting that, uh, like, he'd, he'd seen me play puppet shows and stuff like yeah. that, you know. He's the only kid, he's only one of my children that's seen me play puppet shows. And so he'd never said, oh, Dad's a puppeteer. He just said, oh, you know, Dad's environmental or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he collects trailers. Yeah, 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 and he collects trailers. <laughs> and, then, and maybe that's going to be my claim to fame. I collect trailers. <laughs> But I, I've got no idea, but, and I, I've got no idea what my kids say, you know, to their friends, because like, they, you know, even, you know, um, yeah, I mean, he's got a new man in her life now, and you know, just introduce his dad. You know, there's often the, you know, the dad jokes and that sort of stuff frame. Yeah. Um, but I, I've got no idea what they say. Well, you know? what would be some of the favourite moments you've had with your kids? Um, swimming in Catherine. National Gorge, mm-hmm. particularly in the swimming pool. Um, there's a lot of really great moments when they've said funny things. Like, it's interesting, you know, that, that sort of moment. Um, yeah, I've had some lovely moments just sitting on top of the mountain with Indy, having a cup of tea and, you know, a bit of cake. Um, like, you know, take a thermos of tea, we just sit and, and talk and chat. Um, um, you know, I've... I've you know, as unaccustomed to public speaking as I am, I've always had to say something at the twenty first. So now I've had three of them. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm really quiet. You know, they they were highlight moments for me to be able to say something at the twenty first, and um, particularly at Indies, it's just you know um, gone. 
Um, yeah, I, I, you know, there's, yeah, um, often just helping out stuff, you know, some of those, you know, getting back to that whole, how my dad operated in the world, you know, that, um, when things go wrong, just to go around and help them, mm. you know, when things are right, you know, television area falls off or, you know, something's wrong with the car or, um, but I've taught all my children to drive and now teaching me to drive, you know, and that's probably a. You know, they're, they're things that are important. Yeah. No, I don't know don't, don't pride's the right word, but, you know, um, yeah. Um, you know, they all know I've got a favourite. None of them know which one it is. And so, um, <laughs> and so um, you know, I, I have a, I have favourite things about each one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoy their company, um, particularly one-on-one, um, each, and, each and every one of them, but for, you know, for what reasons I don't know where I could put a finger on it no. so that's yeah. mm. interesting isn't it the stuff that springs to mind almost fleetingly it's yeah. quite hard to put a, a finger on it yeah 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 and if you if you were to go back and write a history you would you just oh, I don't know if you'd come up with a whole lot of things or not come up with a whole lot of things I don't know but well, t- time has gone so quick yeah 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 and, um, in many respects, I don't feel like I've got older, but you know, watching these guys get older. So, yeah. I suppose the next chapter in the next decade will be, you know, grandparenting. Any thoughts on that? Well, I've said to all of them, I'm not ready to be a grandparent. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but when I do, I want to be called Papa Smurf, and so which hits going the white beard. But, um, <laughs> um, but, but I, I think I'll probably really enjoy grandparenting. Um, I, th- I think you certainly, it's a wisdom second time round. I know Liv will love it. Um, um, I, I, need, I, need a, I need a bit of a break though, like, you know. I, 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 I need my MG <laughs> to get fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I, I don't want to be putting my life on the back burner again now because grandchildren have already come along. Yeah. Yeah. I know, as selfish as that sounds. But, um, you know, four kids over 30 years, it's a a lot of your life you've, no, you've put a lot of effort yeah. and work into yeah. bringing them up the way you have and it's been yeah. amazing to watch yeah they're good kids they're good I've got four really good kids yeah but they did that on their own accord <laughs> no. gently supported by some parents <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just a, a nudge here and there <laughs> no. I haven't even had to do I think, that I think you need to take a bit more credit than that, <laughs> no no, no, no. <laughs> No. Uh, it's um, it's been brilliant. And you've definitely been an inspiration to uh, Sarah and myself, yeah, because you've been very front and center in in our lives since we've had kids, yeah. and so you've definitely been one of the the key role models that we've uh, tried to emulate. And always like that thought of, yeah, what would Glenn do right now? How did he manage to pull this off? You know, that's make shit up. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah, you can slide further on bullshit than you can on gravel. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, that's that's very kind of you. And, um, no, it's it's heartfelt. Yeah. I really mean it, Glenn. That's why I wanted to, you know, pick your brains mm. on the show because yeah. uh, you know, and I'd love to. Yeah, pick your brains uh, at a later day as well because I know I've held it, held you up right now. Yeah, it's getting late, 
But um, well, I really have no idea you know this, don't you? It's just you, know, just <laughs> you, you hide it so well. Go with well. gut feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that whole Indonesian bit, isn't it? Yeah. Just do it with confidence. And, That's right, and smile. And, and that's right. <laughs> no. Fuck it, it you make it. <laughs> is, was it fair? Yeah, that's right. But um, no, thanks ever so much, Glenn. It's been great having a chat with you. Is there anything you'd just like to throw in there at the end? Any thoughts or...? Oh, look, I think, you know, um, you know, parenting is one of the hardest jobs. It's one of the easiest things, you know. I, I think if you just go with who you are and be authentic to yourself, uh, your kid's keen to that, I reckon. And, um, you know, never try and be anything you're not as far as a, a parent goes. And, and um, you know, your family gets a rhythm, you know, and uh, the rhythm changes over time, I'd say, but it gets a rhythm. And um, once you're in the rhythm, it just sort of, sort of cooks along. Um, they are great when they get older. A different set of worries, though. But they are great when they get <laughs> older. As you said, small children, small problems. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> big children, big problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, more, more potentially more harmful problems. But you know, um, you know, I, I think just stick with the old adage. You know, no drugs, don't kiss boys until you're twenty-six. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> I have to use that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because um, Inda once, uh, she said to me not so long ago, it's about, oh, probably about a year ago, she said, Dad, you were so right, I should have listened. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get mixed up with boys, I told you. <laughs> mm. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on and having uh, a chat. You're most welcome. And uh, look in, forward to... Uh, in the Tidal River Sound Booth. In the Tidal River Sound Booth, yeah. <laughs> Great location. Absolutely. All right, well, um, thanks, Glenn. And uh, we'll uh, have to uh, ha- uh, do this again soon. So long. Cheers. Yeah. All right, bye for now. Ciao. Well, thanks ever so much for listening. If you enjoy the show... I'd love it if you could possibly leave a rating on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcasts. Having the show build up a series of reviews will really help encourage other people to listen as well. Thanks again and enjoy your caffeinated beverage.